Hey folks, Nate here. You're listening to Critical Care, a show about games, community, and finding hope in a time of global unrest. I've been taking a break from regular episodes over the holidays, but wanted to put together one last bonus pod before the end of the year, looking back at some of the better parts of 2020. I asked former guests of the show about their favorite gaming moments from this year, and the responses were as varied and interesting as I could have hoped. Self-aggrandizing as it may seem, my favorite gaming experience this year has actually been this show. I've gotten to talk with so many incredible people and learned so much in the process. It's been a highlight of my weeks for nearly a year now, and I'm so excited to keep it going in 2021. A couple of my favorite moments from the show are talking with Jack Kane Spooner about their approach to outsider art, uh, learning about non-commercial and anti-commercial software with Natalie Lawhead, diving into narrative design with Hannah Nicklin, and breaking down games journalism with Callie Holtner. There are too many interesting discussions to list, so if you haven't done so, I'd encourage you to dig through the backlog of episodes. There's a lot of really incredible stuff to find. Until next time, happy holidays to everyone. I hope it is safe and warm, and that 2021 is a little less tumultuous for all of us. Hi, my name is Leo Bunye. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I was on episode four of Critical Care. You can find me online uh, on Twitter at Leo Pushin, L-E-O-P-U-T-I-O-N, um, or simply at my website, leobunye.com. I am uh, a game scholar and independent game developer whose work focuses mainly on transmasculine experiences uh, in games and gaming culture. Okay, so my favorite gaming moments from this year. I have two. Uh, the first is more self-contained and concrete which is the release of tell me why because of my you know area of study um, and my identity in general it was amazing to finally see a protagonist uh that's a that's a trans guy in a game that that came from a studio um that made life is strange which is which is a household name um not only to see the portrayal of a, of a trans guy done well with thought and care, but also um, have that character be voiced by um, a trans guy. So not only do we get the representation of this identity, but the thoughtful <laughs> representation of this identity, which these two things are distinctly different. Uh, my second favorite gaming moment or memory is sort of recurring and, and less concrete than that. Um, but it is being a part of uh, Critical's monthly game club. The past nine months have been tragic, isolating, chilling, and and difficult for a lot of reasons. So it's been really important to have something every month to look forward to, as cheesy as that sounds, um, where the tone of the club is not only scholarly and academic, but also just warm. It keeps me 
connected to the game community although my career right now is is not that i'm i'm an it guy (laughs) by day sort of out of uh, financial necessity so it's wonderful to to still feel connected to that discourse um, and to just like hang out with some friends once a month so thank you nate for the opportunity to be a part of that and and for having me on your lovely impactful show um well pod podcast podcaster shows um yeah making a horrible terrible year brighter hi this is joe russ of studio mography developers of Ginny laclue detective i hope everybody's staying safe and healthy these holidays um I think my biggest gaming moment of the year was probably in June when itch.io, itch.io, I don't know how people pronounce it. They did a indie developer bundle for racial justice and equality and over 1500 games from a ton of amazing indie developers. They all contributed their games. And ultimately, they raised more than $5 million, which is way more than anyone expected, for the NAACP and uh, Community Bail Fund. And it was an amazing moment to see all of the things and people I care about come together in a really beautiful way that could transcend just uh, games as escapism or entertainment. Um, and a lot of these are really beautiful games that, that already do that. And to do that for a great cause and to bring attention to to those causes, to those games, to itch.io is a, a really great indie platform. Like all of those things together really warmed my cold heart um, when there's so much to be cynical and scared about. And it, it was a really beautiful thing. And I would say that's hands down my most memorable kind of gaming related thing of the year. Hey everyone, my name is Aubrey Isaacman, and I'm a game designer. One of my favorite things that I've noticed from game design throughout this last year is seeing how supportive everyone has been of each other's projects, and seeing the way that people are sharing wholesome, small projects that they're doing on their own, not necessarily for work, and not for school, just like things that make them happy that they want to share with other people. I am very fortunate that I got to finish my own one of these projects. I made a like a fan-made Star Wars meme game with an alternative controller. And I'm just really happy to see that like I was able to do something that was just for me, just for fun. And another one of my favorite game moments of this year was seeing that our Jewish developers IGDA special interest group we had our first game jam ever, and it was really small, but it was nice seeing everyone coming together and supporting each other, and it was a really great way to celebrate Hanukkah. So whatever holidays you celebrate, I hope you're having a great holiday season, and I wish you a very happy new year. Hi there, my name is Elaine Gomez. I am a game designer at Eline Media and proud co-founder of Latinx and Gaming. My pronouns are she, her. And you can find me on Twitter at Chulatastic, where I share my game dev thoughts and love for all things indie games. 
This year, I played a game called Raji, an ancient epic. It is a beautiful game made by an indie studio from India. I can't really pinpoint a specific moment that I would say was my favorite because the entire game was so special. From the world building to the specific level design to the boss fights and the character and voiceovers, I was really transported and immersed into a culture that was so different from my own. And it was such an incredible experience being able to interact and learn about the beauty and values of another country, which I don't think would have been possible for me to have access to if it weren't for this game. Um, and playing the game, I was reminded about how important it is for diverse viewpoints to be shared and told through the medium of games. And I hope that Raji is an inspiration to studios all over India and the world about the power of celebrating rich history and traditions of our countries. Hey folks, I'm Kate Olgeen, or at Dragon on Twitter. I use all pronouns, and I'm a game designer and producer from the greater Boston area. I've worked on a bunch of things, but my most recent game is The Call of Karen, a game about a 1950s suburban housewife whose home is invaded by Cthulhu. My favorite game moment this year actually came from The Call of Karen. So one of my favorite things about making games is seeing how people interact with the stories, worlds, and systems that we developers painstakingly put in place. It's so gratifying to see someone laugh at a joke you put in, or notice a tiny detail that you spent an unreasonable amount of time perfecting. However, it is even more fun to see people take what you've done and use it in new and unexpected ways. Since the Call of Karen's launch, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people do Let's Plays, streams, and speedruns of our game. Among these videos, I discovered something truly incredible. Apparently, in addition to the regular any percent speedruns, there is another category of the Call of Karen speedruns called Oven Percent. In Oven Percent, you have to shove every single interactable object in the game into the oven as fast as you can. These speedruns clock in at around 4 minutes, and it's really funny to see people frantically running around shoving plates, pepper shakers, and pans into the oven. Oven Percent is made even funnier by the fact that in our very first playtesting session for The Call of Karen, testers attempted to do the exact same thing. The moment that people saw that they could open the oven, they went and crammed the nearest thing inside. I dimly remember having a brief team discussion about whether or not we should allow the player to put stuff in that isn't meatloaf. And in the end, clearly, we left it alone. I'm very glad that we did. Seeing these speedrunners make a brand new game out of our game is one of the things that I like the most about games as a medium. I like that people can take the gift of interactivity and twist it into whatever they themselves want to experience. I like how ridiculous and silly it is to interpret the player's unusual actions in the context of the game. In The Call of Karen's case, it actually reinforces our story of a 1950s suburban housewife who is unsatisfied with her life. Though this time, instead of fighting Cthulhu, she snaps and starts trying to cook everything in the house. And I especially like the inherent human nature of making and playing games. Nature that is so deeply rooted that people are inspired to make games even when they're in the middle of playing another one. I think that's very cool. It made me really happy to see people engaging with our game in a completely different way than we had intended, 
And I hope that my future games inspire the same sort of creativity in people. Thanks for having me on again, Nate. I appreciate it. And I hope that everyone has a safe and happy end of 2020. Hi, I'm Queen K. My uh, pronouns are she, her, they, them, and idits. Uh, you can find me on Patreon uh, under Queen K. Uh, you can also find me on uh, itch.io, where you can find all of my stuff, which is mostly zines, but also a few, a handful of game projects um, written by me and partially programmed by me. Yeah, on, on itch.io, can, you can also find me under Queen K. Uh, and finally, on Twitter under at QuinnPixlart. Now, uh, in this moment, uh, I am closing out my year by being sick, uh, possibly very sick, uh, possibly, possibly with the coronavirus. I've done a test. Uh, I'm going to get my result later today, um, which is why I'm about to go to sleep. But until then, um, Nate here, who's who's a fantastic uh, person has asked me to please uh, talk about uh, one of my favorite gaming moments of this year. But it's something I have made, uh, something I've played, something I've read, anything. So, well, uh, honestly, my favorite gaming moments of this year were mostly just the connections I've made with other game developers. Uh, I've been... I've started... <laughs> this has connotations, but I started being around the block a little bit, I suppose. Uh, I've uh, I've joined a handful of like really welcoming and nice communities uh, for game developers to network in and such, a network collaborate. Uh, and I've also met a bunch of my idols in terms of uh, game making, uh, and have uh, gotten some really useful and very productive, especially input on the sort of things that I do with my own development game development from them, which is fantastic, fan-freaking-tastic even, I would say. Um, but that's not really gaming itself, so if I were to, ha- if I had to, like, uh, talk about a moment in a game specifically, um, that would actually be uh, from Aiden Cushing and uh, Charlie Schultz's uh, The Drowning Machine, uh, which is an as-of-yet unfinished game, and a game that never will come out in a form that is as it was intended or as it was uh, as it was conceptualized due to the tragic passing of uh, uh, of one of the de- lead developers uh, which uh, this iteration of the game is actually about um, so uh, it's an episodic game each episode is about 10 to 15 minutes long some shorter some longer and um, my favorite gaming moment from on that is in uh, Movement Six Eulogy, which, is, to my knowledge, is the finale of that uh, of uh, of that episodic game, um, which uh, has also been posted first. Um, Eulogy is in the in a course of ten minutes, and once it gets going at the drop of a hat in literal milliseconds the drowning machine eulogy broke me it's uh it is a game with an almost frightening power over over the emotional well-being of a person specifically and or rather especially 
a person who has once suffered from suicidal ideation like I. And uh, as such, uh, in eulogy, as the title um, expresses, the developer Aiden has included uh, his eulogy for for their best friend Charlie Schultz in it, uh, like record a recording of it of the actual real life one, and um, within the moment of like that that this imp- this like um, sensory uh, the sensory impression entered my brain and uh, like entered my ear and like caused the synapses to fire. I broke down and it took me actually three days to recover from that shock, which in my opinion is the mark of stunning art. Like the kind of art that any medium needs. I have on my Twitter before suggested that neurotypical people play the drowning machine uh, in order to understand what it feels like to be suicidal. I understand by that. All right. That's 2020 for me, y'all. <laughs> Yip-dee, whoop-dee. But this legitimately is one of the favorite, my favorite moments I've ever experienced in a video game. And while I suggest that anyone who does play it is uh, of stable mind in the moment that they do, I hardly recommend it. Hi! My name is Zayna Launders. Um, I'm the head developer of popular visual novel Validate Struggling Singles in Your Area. Um, my favorite game moment for this year. Ooh, that one's a hard one. There's been so many great games I've played this year. Um, starting from Ace Attorney, I've replayed the trilogy series. Um, very good game. I would recommend that to anyone. Um, Animal Crossing was also a very good game. Uh, I also got Paper Mario Odyssey this year. I know I'm late, but, like, your girl didn't got mo- no money. So, <laughs> I just, I don't know. That game was very fun. That game was very fun. Uh, I played so many games this year. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think my top game this year might be Paper Mario Origami King. Um, that game is amazing. Uh, that game is amazing. If you see me talking bad about it on Twitter, I'm lying. I'm fronting. I actually don't feel like that. Um, <laughs> I genuinely do love that game. It's The story is just so compelling. It's so good. The music is amazing. I think the music might be the top um, part of that game. The one thing I don't like is the battle system, but like once you just learn to suck it up and get over it, like it's it's a very, very good game. The boss fights are very fun. Um, I haven't had fun playing a game like that in a very long time. Uh, that's a very good game. Another good game I played this year was uh, Yakuza 0. Uh, that game was amazing. Oh my god, that battle system, which is so great. And I also played Kiwami 1. But I think I prefer Yakuza 0 over uh, Kiwami 1 um, because generally it's just like a better game. I just... <sighs> games are so interesting to me. I just think that this year is a very important year for games because we are in a global pandemic and without games a lot of people would just be so bored like myself um and i'm very glad that like i have been able to be introduced into gaming um the gaming industry the way i am because i see the need for games nowadays i see the need for uh, why people obsess over games and play games over and over again because 
when you're bored, there's not really much to do. Like, I get, like, you can watch anime and, like, watch YouTube and all that stuff, but, like, you just need to be stimulated in the way that, like, only games can fulfill that void. And I didn't realize that until, like, quarantine hit. I just had nothing to do. And I was just like, I'm, I watched every show. Um, I've caught up on all my YouTube videos. Like, I just need something to do with my hands. Like, something to, like, be super ingrained with. And that's, that's why I just started, like, gaming hardcore again. Um, and like looking at that as a game developer myself who is making the game, I'm just like, I want people to feel like the way I felt playing Paper Mario Origami King when they play Validate, my game. Um, I want people to be like, this game is so awesome. This, the music is awesome. The story is compelling. Um, I want to play this game over and over again. I want 100% this game. I want people to feel like that. I think as a game developer or as if anyone who is looking to make games, your goal should be making a game that you want to play. Um, your goal should be making a game that you want people to enjoy and you want people to remember for the rest of their lives. I'm never going to forget Paper Mario Origami King. Ever. Just never. I'm never going to forget about that game. I just, I genuinely think that game is just, it's just so wonderful. It's just so awesome. And I just, I, I just hope that one day I'm able to make a game as awesome as that. And that has been my talk. Um, you guys can, I don't know if I can plug myself. If not, you can totally cut this out. But you guys can find me at Danu LMAO on Twitter, D-A-N-U-L-M-A-O. Um, stand validate as always, validategame.com. And have a nice one. Uh, enjoy the rest of your year. Happy holidays. Um, and we are about to get out of this pandemic, so just keep hanging on there. Hello, my name is Andrew. I am the creator and editor of the monthly indie game thing, Indie Apocalypse. And this is my year in review or like game of the year or what have you for critical care. Now, I'm not especially like good at um, thinking of things in terms of like how they fall in a year or rating things as a favorite or thinking of my experiences in this sort of way. So this was a difficult thing for me to think of for a while. But then I saw an article or, or like it was an article on Paste about Shadowrun for the Genesis. And my moment is truly the response to that article, I guess, in that Shadowrun for the Genesis was a game that I got at an early age, I guess when it was contemporary, when it was out, and became fascinated with it. I was fascinated with it ever since, and it felt like very much a singular experience. That, like It didn't come up very often, and it did not, I don't know, it was not, it's not canonized, if you will, but... Seeing other people like, yes, oh, this game's cool. This game is interesting. Like the outpouring of support, or not support, that's a weird way to phrase it. More like that people like this weird game that I've yet to capture the spirit of. I guess it's kind of an open world game. Dia, the writer of the article, describes it as like capturing the tabletop experience of playing like Shadowrun. And it's kind of like a modular mission style with a greater narrative and I guess that is kind of like what it is it's 
hard to describe. I think about it a lot. So I guess my game of the year for 2020 is my game of the year for every year. It's Shadowrun for the Sega Genesis because nothing has done it better than that, I suppose. Um, we should play it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Alien Melon, Natalie Lawhead. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And you can find my work on itch.io. And this is my birdie. She's the best thing that happened to me this year. My last birdie died and it made me really sad. And then she came and now I'm happy again. Um, yeah. Another really cool thing that happened this year that I thought was really amazing to see was how itch.io raised a ton of money for charity, basically in the millions. And we all came together to make that happen. Um, yeah, and it really spoke a lot to me because we all made that happen together. And good change can happen if we work together, I guess. It's been a really hard year, and that was my favorite part of it. Um, Zonelets is also a thing that came out this year, and that's so amazing and worth looking at if you search for Zonelets on Google. It's a blogging platform for unprofessional websites, and I feel like that's one of the most exciting things to have come out of the indie space this year. Um, so yeah, these were my favorite little glimmers of hope in a very crazy year, and I hope next year is going to be better for everyone. Thank you. My name is Madame Berry, and I use she-her pronouns. You can find my work at madameberry.com. I fell in love with the game Cloudpunk almost immediately. The beginning of the game starts you off picking up a package from the HQ of your new job as a delivery driver. But standing right outside of your job's HQ is a named NPC who you can talk to with just the label gang member over top of his head. And I groaned because of course this cyberpunk game is going to have gang members, what did I expect? But I talked to the NPC anyway, because I can. And very quickly my expectations were subverted. Through conversation, he reveals that his gang activities involve planting trees in corporate landfills. And when you see him again later on, he's building secret playgrounds for children, which have been outlawed alongside with unlicensed street jazz and some other amusingly absurd things. I knew immediately after talking to that gang member for the first time what kind of game Cloudpunk was going to be, and I am all in on it. Hey, this is Makeup and Vanity Set. My pronouns are he, him. And my favorite game experience of 2020 was actually kind of weird for me. It's not a an indie game. Usually I gravitate towards indie games. Um, but in this case, it was the game Ghost of Tsushima. I wasn't sure if it was a game that I was really going to be into. I've been sort of moving away from being you know as into open world games just because I have so much less time to devote to playing games and exploring um, and so I find that when I try to unwind and play a video game I'll gravitate towards something that's a little bit more mindless um, I think the thing that really hooked me in with Tsushima was um, the Kurosawa mode that they sort of wired into the game. Um, for those who haven't played it, the Kurosawa mode basically forces the game into uh, a black and white monochromatic 
uh, visual with um, sort of like a scratchy film grain and the audio is a little bit um, not compressed but it's like maybe a little tinnier to sort of sound like an older movie um, I know when the game came out everyone was raving about the colors and the sort of you know how beautiful the the world was that the developers had created um, but there's just something really special to me about playing the game in black and white um, there's a famous quote from the director Peter Bogdanovich um, when he was making the last picture show uh, he apparently was friends with Orson Welles and Orson Welles at the time kept imploring him to put the film in black and white and Orson Welles whole metric for black and white was that it completely flattens the sort of dynamic uh, visual and makes all of the performances stand out that much more um, and I think that's kind of what happens with with Tsushima I feel like the the gameplay in the in the sort of beauty of the world are sort of flattened into this more kind of 2d um, metric which forces you to kind of appreciate the story and to appreciate um, what the what the developers kind of set out to do with with the world in the context of that story um, I also played the game in Japanese with subtitles um, and I think it just I don't know it just was this extremely immersive thing um, it was an, a, a, an emotional story that I really gravitated towards um, and I just I really enjoyed it I thought it was a great game Hello, I'm Maria from Sorry Prince Games, and my pronouns are she, they, please. And my favorite game moment of this year is a game of Labyrinth on the Gauntlet, because um, content warning, uh, pet death. Uh, I I had one of my uh, one of my oldest dogs um, die, be I mean be put down. Uh, just moments before the schedule of the game. And uh, I based off my character off my dog because I missed him, but I didn't know he was sick, <laughs> right? So when I didn't say anything to the game, um, most of the table were strangers, really kind strangers, and I kind of really needed that space to just you know um, be normal. And even if I had a hard time being sad or like processing my own sadness it was really amazing because um my character was able to be sad for me because he was like this tiny um fireball who like um who was really cute so he whined and cried for me in the bar and um i just appreciated how the rest of the party was like okay we will put Todd on top of our heads or okay Todd um here's a bunch of fries <laughs> you know or okay Todd you, you your limbs become dismembered today and we'll put you back together it was just um it was just so kind for me and and healing it's one of the best moments I think because I think it's one of the magics of tabletop RPGs to um, almost to be able to speak in code in terms of 
what do we really need and sometimes just like how I created the character even before I knew my dog was sick I, I feel like there's a part of our intuition that knows um, what do we need in advance or what's about to happen in advance and it's just a way to um, deal with stuff yeah uh, ironically the end of that campaign is that Todd finds his um his goal was to find his old friend which was my other older dog and i kind of like the idea that um the campaign ended with him finding um my um his his friend and yeah um that's it for my favorite moment uh gay moment this year and Find me on mariabumbi.itchio, that's M-A-R-I-A-B-U-M-B-Y, and on Twitter, I am Maria Mison, which is M-I-R-A-M-I-S-O-N. And yeah, thank you. Hello, my name is Ferran Bertomeu Castells. I'm from the Offscore project, and my pronouns are he, him, and you can find me online at FonserBC, that's F-O-N-S-E-R-B-C. And yeah, my favorite moment of from this year, it's actually a, a series of moments or like the change of situation. Before, uh, I'm somebody who has worked from home for several years now. It's been almost like four, four or five years. And I've been living uh, abroad for some time too. So actually, I spend a lot of time usually at home. But actually, this year, because of the whole pandemic, uh, it's been probably my most uh, sociable year in the sense of I have had the chance to talk to and to spend time with friends back home that before I didn't so much. So I I appreciate this change, <laughs> even though that sounds a bit... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, I think... It's nice to to be able to do that to socialize with friends, and that's why for me the the favorite game moment of this year is finding a game uh, that has been comfortable to play, relax, and talk to uh, my friends basically. And in this case, this year uh, we've come to uh, Minecraft again. I had played Minecraft before, but this year we started. We convinced some friends who did never played before and started playing together and I think it's a very nice uh, environment for for resting and for self-care if you if you would because um, compared to uh, competitive games uh, that usually I used to play before with with this friend and with other friends I feel like in competitive games, um, the conversation that happens between you and your friends or teammates, uh, it's very oriented towards um, the game and, and this competition. And if you want to talk about other things, about life, uh, kind of needs to happen between games or after the game is over. But then competitive games really push you to keep playing. So that conversation barely happen. Uh, well, that's how I feel. So having a game like Minecraft, which it's not the only one, but I think it's a it's a good example and a good one, which is a um, more of a sandbox creative environment where sometimes you just join and you just talk and 
mine your way around because you need resources or you just build your own uh, project that you had set up to, to build. And you can do that while talking with friends. It's like a very relaxed if you if you if that's what you want. And that's what I really appreciate. And especially this year, I think it's been very helpful for for me and for my friends and for our own sanity, let's say. So, yeah. Hello, my name is Yanting Lo. I'm from the Offscore project team. And my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on social media by typing my name, Yanting Lo, which is Y-E-N-T-I-N-G-L-O. Yeah, my favorite game moment this year, um, I think I spent a lot of time playing on Switch, both Animal Crossing and Ring Fit. And I think since I graduated from school last year, and this year immediately it's like the coronavirus era so i have never stayed home that much ever in my life before and so this year the biggest challenge for me is to have a very good working living routine every day like the time management is the most challenging thing for me and what i enjoy about ring fit is that it really helps me keep my exercising routine because it's just like 10 minutes per session and you cannot do too much either they will tell you remind you to take a rest and it's different every day um and it just keeps me going so yeah i really look forward for my very little exercising session every day with ring fit so i really appreciate this game coming out this year and about animal crossing um since everyone in the whole earth is not so sure about everyone's situation because of the coronavirus i find animal crossing a very good um chance for me to keep in touch with my friend because it's also like a big crazy trend playing animal crossing in taiwan and so a lot of my friends are playing it uh from the beginning of the year and so every now and then I have this chance to say let's do something because of the new season thing and then we also get to talk to each other about how are you doing recently how is the change of your life so yeah this is another thing I really appreciate I think that's it hello I'm Uma Keeling I'm an artist game developer and writer uh, you can find me online at uh, afterglowgames.itch.io if you want to play any of my games or at uh, okay thanks games and glitch out main which is where i write about games on twitter but really what i'm here to talk about is my favorite game moment from the past year or so and that was playing and completing nominally to the point at which the game seemed to be over the ps2 game gift uh, from the year 2000, uh, which is a French 3D platformer, uh, a satire on adventure games, and generally just kind of a bit of a mess game design-wise and difficulty level-wise for the audience, which I like. I like that stupid kind of stuff, the games which are inherently kind of 
broken and com- contain a lot of content that won't be seen by 80% of players, maybe 90% of players with it in this case, uh, because it was it has a pretty convoluted um, kind of set of mechanics which get lost um, throughout the game that don't really come back. I will read to you from the back of the game. Um, the game Sleeve, it's a game by Regis Loisel and Philippe Uric, and I'll read the description. Gift, unskilled, unlucky, and badly educated anti-hero, has seven garden gnomes to take back to the princess who believes she is Snow White, encompassing giant crazy worlds including Tipanic, Star Stress, and many more, featuring many brain-teasing 3D platform puzzles which mix video game and movie parodies. To succeed, you must be able to run, jump, and fight hordes of wacky monsters. Happy hunting! I didn't know the game levels had titles, that's not part of the game, um, or that necessarily they were all movie parodies, but um, there are several instances where there are like parodied moments, there's a great Silence of the Lambs um, moment in the last level, so where there's just a lamb, um, a, a sheep who's been locked up like Hannibal Lecter is in that great, amazing, wonderful film I've never seen. I mean, if you want to look up gifts, you'll see kind of the appeal of the game uh, to somebody who's interested in janky, crappy games, basically. <laughs> Probably the most interesting thing about the game and the this experience has been being away from conversations around games, which I get into kind of with my writing and on Twitter, having a kind of a more intimate experience with a game that isn't about other people, but was just about me and having fun, which is how I used to play games as a kid, usually um, when I was playing on my own. And that's been the majority of my experience this pandemic. I mean, getting back to a kind of like why I love games, uh, which isn't generally because they're like so the, the highest possible art form or whatever, but that they are ways to just have fun, uh, even if the game is incredibly frustrating just being alone with this kind of toy box it's like being alone with a toy and uh, using it to de-stress and kind of get out of a mode where you're thinking about things that worry you which has been a this has been a terrible year for and a terrible year for um, being isolated and getting to a position where you can just have fun with the game and I think that's what I loved most about playing Gift and finding and playing through the levels which I can assume (laughs) there's something also special about playing a lot of levels which I assume very few people have ever seen aside from the developers and the few I don't know how popular it was as a game it doesn't seem to have ever been really popular but getting getting to play those levels is kind of a weird treat and i mean that's more on the side of what i like about games but yeah just play, play, playing something that i like on my own and then being able to get back into conversations around games which are which are contemporary and happening now and the development processes and the kind of horrible conditions and all of these things which are very important um, it's important, I think, to also remember why we play games. And I would like to wish you the best. Where, whoever you are, wherever you are, I would like to wish you the best. Because you deserve it. Thanks. Hello. 
This is DeepHell.com. And what's my favorite moment from the year in video games? My mind, of course, goes back to Final Fantasy VII Remake. There were enough writers isolated enough to get to play through all of it this year. And, of course, when there are lots of people playing games, there's lots of people writing about games. Final Fantasy VII Remake is interesting to me because it's the first game I can think of that's been remade that really has long-standing cultural clout. I think back to all of the amazing pieces I got to see writers put out about it. Pieces about gender and race and what a remake really means to all of us and more just getting down into the nitty-gritty of what the game meant for these people. Not to mention the dozens of excellent reviews stacking it up directly to the original. Playthroughs where game journalists went through the original Final Fantasy VII in Japanese and translated it on the way. Playthroughs where people compared both games against each other directly. How did they handle different characters, new characters coming into the fold? It was interesting to see all of that bubble back up to the surface of the video game public for the first time in years. There really has, there's been lots of game remakes, but there's really never been a remake quite like Final Fantasy VII Remake. There were a lot of excellent games released that year, and that's not saying Final Fantasy VII was the most important or the one at the top of my list, but when I think back about everything I played and wrote about, it's the one that mostly mattered to me, and I saw the way it mattered to other writers just as much. So thanks. That's from DeepHell.com, and Merry Christmas. Critical Care is produced by me, Nate Kiernan, with music by Desired. You can find Desired on Bandcamp at desired.bandcamp.com. I'm on Twitter at Nate Kiernan, and you can keep up with everything critical related at critical.com. If you like the show, maybe share it with a loved one, and consider supporting me at critical.com Patreon. Until next time, stay safe, stay home, and remember, this is not game over. We're still fighting, and we're going to get through this.